Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Just a second, and we can read along together. On the seventh day, that's Sunday in America, the seventh day, so it will be today. Today, the Lord called to Moses. The Lord called. I just want to set an expectation for today's message. I believe today the Lord is going to call Josh. There's a Josh in church right now that's like, <laughs> or Susan, or James, or Rafa, or, 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 or Shiana, or God is calling you. I know it's Shiana. Don't play. Um, <laughs> God is calling. I believe, hear me, strap in, because I believe God's going to call you to something today. You believe it? Say amen. amen. From within the cloud, then Moses went higher. Someone say higher. higher. Up the mountain and went into the, finish it with me. Wow. Into the, wow. into the, wow. amen. I want to preach a message today entitled, Into the Unknown into the unknown. And as I say those words, there is a, a parent in the room today that is shivering with anxiety because you have heard these words over and over and over and over. You don't even hear me. When I say these words, you hear Adina Menzel, also known as Princess Elsa. And she is flooding your brain because this is a very well-known song. And I know what you're thinking. This would be a great opportunity for Pastor JJ to sing this song. Because that's what he does. But I also want to let you know that there's no way I'm doing that. And here's why I'm not doing that. Because that's beneath me. Okay? Church, church is supposed to be a serious place. Where we talk about serious things. We don't have fun in church. We don't laugh in church. We laugh in heaven. So, I would not do that, and I would never do that. Amen.
Y'all don't know about my sermon prep time this week. Now listen, that wasn't just for fun. I promise it had to do with the preach. My kids called it a preach. Because you see, I didn't want to do it. I mean, I wrestled with my wife on this because my mind automatically goes to silly, stupid, and fun because that's my DNA. I said, babe, I think I want to lip sync into the unknown. She said, maybe not. <laughs> I said, I'm going to try it. I'll do it. I'm going to test it on the staff first and the volunteers. If they like it, I'll do it. You know, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it because I thought that stepping out might embarrass me. I thought that somebody invited a friend to church for the first time today. <laughs> and I was like, this is not the, ch this is not the church. This is too silly. This is not real. I'm, just, I'm doing it. But when I heard the call, oh, when, I, when I heard the call, I, oh, it, was, it was speaking to me. And I had to, you know, I had to, because I heard the call. And I'm just asking you, is there someone calling you? Is there a call in your life that you've been pushing off? Because you know, if you step out, it might embarrass and if you step out, you might look silly. If you step out and you fail, you might look dumb. You might look stupid. Why will people think they might laugh at you? But if you hear the call, you got to go. There's something inside Princess Elsa as she's singing it. She's like, I, I think there's something more out there, but, but, I'm, but, I'm, but, I'm, but, I'm, but I think I want to, I don't know, I want to kind of be here though too. I think there's a tension inside of all of us that it's like I'm safe, but... I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm comfortable, but I'm not complete. I'm even, I'm having fun. Like right now in my season of life, I'm having fun, but I'm not fulfilled. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be here, but I'm afraid of going there. Not because here is so great, but because at least I know what's here. There is a habit in humanity that I have discovered. And the habit is that we will often settle for the discontent of what we know rather than venture out into the uncertainty of what we don't know. Even if here ain't great, at least we know it. And as I hear you and I hear that tension echo out from inside of you, the message God told me to share with you was, if you only knew, if you only knew that what was out there was so better and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's so great than, than what is in here right now. It's out there. I'm reminded of my son Zane who is doing the Daniel's Fast with us and he's our, our picky child eater. We all have one of those in the family who's the picky child and he's that picky child eater. We thought we flipped him last year because we got him to eat edamame pasta for the first time and he loved it. But apparently, that was short-lived. His adventurous food-eating spirit was gone because this year, my wife made these amazing, they weren't meatballs because in the Daniels fashion of kind of like vegetarian, they were meatless balls. I have no idea what was in them. Quinoa, black beans, okra, I have no clue what was in it. But it was delicious. She served me six of them. I ate like 16 of them, okay? So good. Justice is tearing them up. Liz is tearing them up. We're eating it. Zane comes by, looks at it. He goes... I don't like it. I'm like, but you haven't even tried it. No, I don't like it. I don't like the way it looks. It looks just like a meatball. I don't like it. So at this point, because we're on the Daniels fast, we can't just be making food for everybody who, what they want. So Liz told them, she said, listen, well, you got two options. Either you don't eat or you make your own food. 
because this is what the Vasquez family is eating for dinner tonight. He said, okay, I'll make my own food. Well, the only problem with that is that he's eight. He don't know how to make food. The only food he knows how to make is smoothies because he can operate a blender. And he likes smoothies, but he eats smoothies all day. The entire Daniel's fast, my son has been living on smoothies. Don't call, you know, child services or anything like that. It's, they're good smoothies. He just, it's what he loves to eat. And not even, he don't even love it. It's just the only thing that he can make because he don't want to eat what we're making. So I see him over there and he's wrestling with his strawberries and he's, he's so sad. Pouring in the banana and pouring the milk and all this work. And then you got to clean the blender in our house if you use it. I'm thinking, you're doing all this work when something better than that has already been prepared for you. But you won't step into what's already ready for you. You'd rather do the work to stay in what you know than to step out into the thing that's already been set. I looked at him sad. I thought, if you only knew. I'm looking at somebody in church today. I'm looking at somebody through your screen today. If you only knew. I'm talking to somebody who's dating someone right now, and they don't treat you right. They don't value you the way that you should be valued. They're abusive in the way that they talk to you. They disregard your worth, but you stick it out with them. Why? Because you're not sure if someone's better is even out there. So I'd rather keep the boyfriend that I got than to hope for one that I haven't met. Or even worse than that, you do know there's someone out there, but you're wondering yourself because you don't know if a person like that would even want a person like you. If you only knew who you were. If you only knew the worth and the value you brought. I'm speaking to somebody who's recently moved to Orlando. And you look at all of your life back there, wherever you moved from. And you think, man, you know, all my friends are back there. My career is back there. All of my dreams were back there. And now you're in this new city. If you only knew. That your best days are still ahead of you. That your career is still ahead of you. That friendships are still ahead of you. That, that, that what God wants to do in your life, the best of it, is still ahead of you. I'm talking to the person who has accepted that they're going to be lonely in life. And they don't really want any more friend groups because every time they get invested in a friend group, they get scarred. And so you hear us talk about small groups and you sigh at small groups because you've tried it before and you've just given up on it. If you only knew. That this was the semester you found that community of people who were going to encourage you and speak life into you. You would step out into something. You would venture out. You would risk it if you only knew what was waiting for you on the other side. Or if only there was someone who knew. If only there was some sort of celestial being that was omnipresent everywhere at all times. Omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient knows all things, then maybe we could turn to that person for certainty in what the future holds for our life. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's God. And that's why many people turn to God and they do so and have a scriptural foundation to do so like the Bible says as much. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is, what is God? And in him there is no what? There is no darkness at all. So the verse is saying, hey, when you step into God, darkness turns away. How many people are grateful that when the light turns on, the dark has to run? Dark doesn't get a vote. Dark doesn't get a choice. Dark doesn't get to walk out. When the lights turn on, darkness runs out. I'm so grateful that when Christ steps into a room, devils got to run out. Demons got to run out. Depression's got to run out. Addiction's got to run out. It don't get a choice. It don't get a vote. You never turn on the light and the dark goes, give me five minutes. 
dark runs for its life when it enters into the light. So amen, praise the Lord. That should be the experience that you and I have in God. When we have a relationship with him, there should be no longer darkness in our life. There should be no more confusion. There should be no more worry. There should be no more doubt. There should be no more fear. There should be no more anxiety. Amen. And that's how it should work, right? Amen. If you believe it, say amen. Well, about that. <laughs> the problem is we have that verse. But then we also have verses like Psalms 97, verse 1 through 2. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick. No, 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 no. Hold up. Because the last verse said, there was in him no darkness at all. Clouds. I like that part because that goes with the sermon series. Into the clouds. Amen, I can rock with that, but thick darkness surrounds him. And then almost like the Bible's trying to like save itself at the end, but righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. <laughs> like the disclaimer at the end of a product you purchase. But don't worry, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do we have permission to be confused in church for just a moment? If that verse doesn't confuse you, it should. Because when we think of darkness, we think of the devil. We think of the demons, we think of wickedness, we think of Chucky and Freddy and Jason, and we think of Poltergeist, and we think of, I haven't watched scary movies in about a decade, so I, I can't give you any of the, you know, Pennywise, and we think of, you know, darkness, we think of these clowns and cats, and when we think darkness, we think of, it's messing, Just hitting it to my cat people. That make any sense. If there's not supposed to be any darkness in God at all, is there a contradiction in Scripture? Is the Bible speaking against itself? No, that can't be. And in fact, I don't think it is. I, I believe it isn't. Here's why. Why I know it isn't. I'll share a quick story. I remember one day my, my dad woke me up in the middle of the night. It felt like the middle of the night because it was really early morning, but it felt like the middle of the night to go deep sea fishing. We were living in New York at the time, and he was going to take me to the Atlantic Ocean. And I, I don't know what time we got up. All I know is that when we got back from fishing, it was still dark. That's how early we left. That's how early I got up. That's how early we left the, the pier. And then we came back. And I remember fishing with my dad. I'll never forget it. And by the way, people are like, oh, you had a dad that took you fishing? You're like, we went fishing one time. Okay? No knock on my dad. But I just said, don't you ever wake me up that early ever again in my life. <laughs> um, but I was seven. So I was like, don't you ever wake me up that early. So he went out. And uh, I remember I couldn't catch anything. He went to the captain. He flipped the captain, maybe like a 20 or something like that. The captain came over to me, grabbed my fishing rod, caught a fish. Um, I was speaking with my mom this morning. She remembers what kind of fish it was. It was a blue fish, which is a deep uh, sea saltwater fish. And we caught it. And then after he then took my hand, put it on the reel, reeled it in. And I caught this fish. I caught this fish. Caught this fish. Took it home. My dad put it in the cooler. When he came home, uh, put it in the freezer. And I just remember wanting to eat that thing so badly. It's like that whenever you catch something, like I know we got a lot of animal rights people here. I just want to say, like, if you ever catch something, you want to eat that thing. That caveman inside of you just comes out and you're like, oh, eat food, me, catch hands. Um, I was just waiting. And for whatever reason, my dad just waited weeks to serve him. And so finally, like two weeks after we catch him, he pulls him out the freezer, he defrosts the fish. I have to stare at it melting all day. And then we finally put it in the oven. But before he puts it in the oven, he cuts it open, pulls out the bones, and then he puts salt all inside the fish. And I'm confused because 
we caught that fish in salt water. That fish has spent his entire life surrounded by salt. Yet when we opened him, we had to put salt inside of him. Why? Because where we found him and what we found in him were two different things. Let me say it this way. There's a difference between where you find God and what you find in God. Oh, I know you haven't caught it yet. That was a courtesy clap because you're like, this sounds like a clap time. But I'm going to bring it home for you right now. When you step into a cloud, you step into a thing that is confusing because you can't see where you're going. When you step into a cloud, you step into a thing that is scary because you don't know what's coming. When you step into a cloud, you step into something that is discouraging because you can't tell where it ends. But when you step into a cloud, you also step into a place where God is. Oh, you didn't get, okay, let me make it more. Let me make it more. It's like when you go off to college. Now, if you grew up in church, going off to college can be one of the most traumatic things you ever happen in your life, especially if you don't go to like a Christian college. I grew up in church my whole life, and then I went to a college that is known for not being a Christian college. And I went there, and I met so many people that believe different than me, that look different than me, that grew up in a different way than me. My faith was absolutely rocked. When I stepped into college, my faith was rocked. I thought I was safe because I decided to study religion. So I'm like, I'm going to get with all the Christian people, and we're going to just have our own little Bible club, and we're going to make it. But all of my teachers were atheists. Every single professor was atheist, and they would argue with me in the Bible, and I'd be like this, and I would try and combat their arguments with my Sunday school lessons. And I'm like, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's all I know, man. And it's crazy because when I stepped into college, I didn't know I was also stepping into doubt. But when I stepped into doubt, I told myself, listen, either my whole faith is going to unravel right now, or God, you're going to show me that you're real. So I'm going to study this Bible like never before. I'm going to study the Hebrew. I'm going to study the Greek. I'm going to read this. I'm traveling to Jerusalem. I really did that. My wife and I, we went on a trip. I'm going in there, and I'm going to figure out if this thing is real or not, if this faith is just inherited or if it's mine. It's crazy because I found my faith in doubt. Are you seeing it? I had to step into doubt, but when I stepped in the cloud, I found my faith. For some people, it's not when you go to college, it's when you come back from college. Yeah, yeah. you knew you were going to leave with a diploma, but you didn't know you were going to leave with $30,000 worth of debt. They left that part out the brochure. Now you come out of college, you got $30,000 worth of debt, and you can't find any job that requires an art history degree. Now you got your art history diploma, and you got no job and you're in debt. It's crazy. Hear me. I'm speaking to you from, from, from experience. Oftentimes, it is in debt that you find out God is your provider. It's in debt. When you look at them bills and you go, I mean, for a lot of people, it didn't happen until after 2020. When you saw it, you didn't work for six months, you look back and how in the world am I still in this house? How in the world is there gas still in my tank? How in the world do I still have an apartment? How in the world do I still have clothes on my feet? I don't understand. When you do the math, the calculator don't add up, you were in debt, but you found the provider in debt. It's in it that you find it. You know, grief can be a cloud. Someone you love passes away, it's, it's, it's cloudy. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. 
it's depressing at times, but you know, sometimes it's in the cloud of grief that you find God as the comforter of your soul. When no, no piece of advice can soothe your soul, when there is no balm for your brokenness, is when you find God is the only one who can touch the deep parts of you in the cloud. I'll, I'll lighten it up a little bit so it can be even more applicable, applicable. You know, sometimes a conversation can be a cloud. Sometimes you know you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody, but you're afraid to do it because you know that that conversation is going to be painful. Let me encourage you, if you're willing to step into the pain of that conversation, in the pain of that conversation, you will find in it peace for your soul. You will find peace in pain. If you're willing to step into the unknown, it's a cloud. It's a cloud. There's a difference between where you find God and what you find in God. I'm trying to say it this way. What you're afraid of and what you're having faith for is in the same place. It's in the same place. It's out there, not in here. So I want to encourage you today to step out there. How do we do it? Pastor JJ, how do I step out into the unknown? Do I just normalize fear and anxiety? Do I just accept if I'm going to live a faith-filled life? And that also means I'm going to live a neurotic life. I'm also going to live a life where I'm shaking and I can't go to bed because I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Do I accept that? No. Okay, Pastor JJ, what does it mean that I just, I just spend short bursts in this great faith life? Like, you know, the ocean, you put your feet in, that's cool. But then you come back to the sand. Let me make it more applicable. Again, like I'll, I'll serve God like really, really for 21 days of prayer and fasting. But then when it's over, I'll just go back to kind of like my average normal day Christian life. Because living on that edge can be crazy. Living on the edge can be difficult. Praying to God for 21 days is okay, but my whole life, ooh, that might be. No, I don't want you to do it short term. I want you to live in the cloud. God wants you to live in the cloud because what you're looking for is out there, not in here. Your potential is out there. Your dreams are out there. Your goals are out there. So how do you do it? How do you live out there? I got one point and only one point today. Come on, that's good. Yeah, if you don't get this one point, you just weren't here today. The only thing you got to do if you want to live out in the cloud, hear me, exchange certainty for clarity. Exchange certainty for clarity. What's the difference between certainty and clarity? Certainty is knowing what's coming. Clarity is knowing what to do when it comes. Certainty is knowing what's coming. Clarity is knowing what to do when it comes. I remember the day I found out I needed glasses. I wasn't born with glasses. I mean, like, obviously, nobody's born with glasses. But I didn't discover glasses until later on in life. I wasn't like a kid that I went to school my whole life with glasses. Apparently, my mother didn't believe in the optometrist because I never, ever went. And I look back now and at my childhood, and I'm like, there were so many signs. Like, me and my friends would play video games, and I would be right here to the TV. And they'd be in the back playing video games. I'm like, how can you guys see from back there? Are you right? You know? I was terrible at baseball. I'm like, it all makes sense. But you know the day I realized I needed glasses? My wife and I were driving somewhere, and, and we didn't know how to get there necessarily, but we knew that the street we had to turn on, we knew what its name was. And for whatever reason, our GPS wasn't working, so we just had to look out for the name of the street. So we're driving, we're driving, and then as we're driving, I can hear Liz go, okay, turn here. Turn here. Turn here. Turn here. Turn, 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 turn. Pass right by it. I go, I didn't see it. She goes, you didn't see that? There was a big sign. 
you didn't see the sign? I'm like, you saw the sign? She goes, yeah, I saw the sign. And then she said this, but not as a joke. She said it like in seriousness, because sometimes we say what she's about to say as a joke, but it was serious. She said, you need glasses. <laughs> and after that day, I thought, I might. <laughs> so I went to the optometrist, and I found glasses. The only thing I can compare it to is like getting saved. <laughs> when they put these things on me, the whole world looked different. I was like, this is what the world looks like? <laughs> I've got five fingers? You know, I was just like, not that like that, but it was like, Listen, neither one of us had certainty. Nobody knew when the street was coming. But she had clarity because she knew when to turn when it came. She didn't have certainty. Nobody had certainty. Here's what I'm, I'm trying to tell you this, because certainty is an illusion. We don't have GPS in life. So there is no such thing as certainty. Although I wish we did. That'd be really cool. Could you imagine that? In 30 feet, you will arrive at your husband. <laughs> I was looking for you. <laughs> or if you're already married, in 30 feet, you'll find your best friend. Because you don't have a best friend, you wish you had one, you look up, they're wearing a Disney hat, you got a Disney hat. <laughs> Is this happening right now? Are we like gonna be BFFs? It'd be cool, right? In 30 days, you'll arrive at your home, the one you've been looking for. In 30 days, you will arrive at your brand new career, the one you've been waiting for. It'd be awesome, but it doesn't exist. And because it doesn't exist, there is no certainty in life. Hear me, certainty is an illusion. Even the things we think are certain are not. For example, I cannot say with complete certainty that I can take this next step. I can't. It might seem like I can. 99.9% .9 chance I take this step. But there is not a, why? Because my heart can stop before I take it. Pastor Dave, you've seen people pass away in the pulpit while preaching. I, I wish I could take this step. I think I can take this step. I hope I can take this step. I'm planning to take this step, but I am not 100% certain that I can take this step. But here's why it's okay to live with uncertainty. Because even though I'm not certain that I can take this step, it doesn't keep me from taking this step. Here's why. Because even though I don't have certainty, I have clarity. If I take this step, and I, and I make it, cool, I'll keep preaching. If I take this step and I fall, and my heart starts stopping and beating with that, guess what? I got a phone in my back pocket. I know who to call. I know it's the middle of this preaching right now, but I'm going to be on the phone with 911. <laughs> I'm over here preaching at the building. Please come and get me. I don't know the address, but it's big, and we got a billboard. Because <laughs> it's Journey Church. Come here. And hopefully they'll come, they'll fix me, and in two weeks I'll be preaching, and that'd be great. Because that's how fast I will come back. Praise the Lord. <laughs> or, or I die. I know I got morbid. And, or I just die right here. Boom, drop. You know what, though? I still, if I die right now and I drop it, first off, um, I've got life insurance. <laughs> so my wife and my kids, they're going to be good. They're going to be sitting real good. House is going to be paid off. They're going to be fine. Which was Liz's plan all along. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> That'll happen. And the next thing is, you know, she'll never remarry. Um, we've got overseers. We've got overseers at the church who, who, are, who are pastors all over the country that will come in and they'll, they'll preach and they'll lead and they'll find somebody to lead our church. Our church will keep growing. And also, don't worry about your boy. Because I'm in heaven. And you know what's, you know what's in heaven? Not COVID.
It's a COVID-free kingdom. Y'all gonna be here for all the variants, not me. Boof. I'm gone. Hear me, look, I'm not certain. But I'm clear. So I can take the step. Because I know if I fall, who I should call. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, this is when Peter walks on water. Lord, if it's you, does that sound like the prayer of somebody who's certain? Could you imagine praying for somebody like that who's sick? Lord, if you want this person to get better, I'd be like, don't pray for me, bro. That's not a certain person. He's not certain. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. And he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You know what clarity is? Clarity is having confidence. Confidence. That I don't know if this is your will or not. But hey, you know what? I didn't go out first. Like, I prayed about it. Like, Peter called Jesus. Lord, if this is your will, the problem is you step into things and you haven't even asked Jesus if it was his will. At least do that. But after you ask Jesus if it's your will, when you step out, you know you're not stepping out with certainty, right? You're stepping out like, I prayed about it. I feel good about it. Let's see what happens. If I make it, I walk on water. Boom. If I don't, he gonna catch me. That's my confidence. That's what I have in Christ. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, God will catch me. Now someone said, well, that, that's cool, Pastor. So that means I could just step wherever I want then because God will catch me. I just live life like this, just stepping all over places because it doesn't matter because Christ is sovereign. And so since he's sovereign, I could be stupid. <laughs> I can, I'm sorry, that came off strong. Um, <laughs> So it's like, ooh, what did I do to you, pastor? I'm just, I, I, I can just step anywhere. No, you can't. You know why? Because clarity isn't just confidence. Clarity is wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also wisdom. I can see. Look, if I didn't have my glasses on, I could see where this, I don't, I don't know, where this stage ends and that floor begins. Because it's all black to me. Once I, once I put on my glasses, oh, okay. Right there. I can see it because I have clarity. Now, if I choose to step... In that hole, having seen that there is a hole, when I hit the floor and I start bleeding out the side of my head, I better not get mad at God. Huh? Don't, don't be angry for God placing you in something you stepped in. I saw it and I still decide. My boys will tell me every once in a while their room will be a mess. And then they'll come up here and then I'll tell them to clean their room. And then in the middle of the mess, with everything around them, they'll stand there for a second. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Why do you do this to me? You don't love me. You don't love me. If you love me, you wouldn't make me clean my room. And my wife and I look at them and we say the same sentence every time. I did not make that mess. I, I, I love you so much. I'm torn as a pastor because I'm supposed to only say things that encourage you and give you life and have you leaving here with your head held high. I'm like, I love this church. I feel good. My chest is I'm big. I'm good. <laughs> There's an email from heaven today in your inbox, and the subject title is, I did not make that mess. You saw it. 
And even though you saw it, you stepped into it. Now God says, I'm here for you to pick you up when you fall. But you're going to hit the ground. Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools. But those who walk in are kept safe. Are kept safe. I'm going to do what the Bible says. This is where wisdom is. Guys, this is where the Bible comes in the clutch. Put aside from the fact that this is God's inspired word and God created the world. So if you want to know how the world works, just go to the one who made it. Even if you're sitting in this room today and you don't believe that. Like that's the farthest, far-fetched thing in the world. Okay, it's still thousands of human history recorded within two, two, a piece of leather. Like thousands of human experiences and emotions and failures and successes. You could learn a lot from this. I see people talking about stuff now that I'm like, that's been in the Bible. When we came out of the pandemic, I heard two things all the time. First was self-care. God, take care of yourself. God, take care of rest. You got to rest because everybody's working on Zoom, working crazy hours. You got to rest. You got to rest. I'm like, God invented rest. He'd been talking about rest for thousands and thousands and thousands. He calls it the Sabbath, a whole day of rest. <gasps> yeah. People say, hey, we need community because we can't do life alone because the social distancing is messing up with the mental health of everybody. Yeah, Ecclesiastes 4.10, when you walk, walk with two others so that when you fall, they can lift you up. God been talked about community. So I trust that if I do what's here, listen, this is a word for someone. I don't know what God will do, but I know what God says to do. I don't have certainty, but I got what? Clarity. Clarity. And you do that enough, clarity continues to evolve. It doesn't just become confidence. It doesn't just become wisdom. Confidence and wisdom evolves, comes together, and becomes conviction. You know what conviction is? Conviction is like, I shall not be moved. I, I, I shall not be, I know what to do. I know what to say. I know, I shall not be moved. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 through 18, there's a group of three young men, young Hebrew men, who a law gets passed in the empire of Babylon, in the city of Babylon, that if you don't worship the emperor, the king, who is what others believe to be a god, then you will get thrown in a furnace, in a fire, literally what you're thinking, an oven. And the Hebrew boys will not do it because the Bible clearly says that you shall only worship the Lord your God and none other. So they refuse to bow to the king because he's a man and, and not a God. And when the king finds out, he arrests them, brings them in and says, if you don't worship me right now, you're going in this furnace. And I love what the men respond, how they respond to the emperor. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Look at the next verse, my favorite. But even if he does it. Does that sound like certainty to you? Huh? Does that sound like certainty to you? Does that sound like they know for sure what God's going to do? Does that sound like they know for sure that God's going to rescue them? Does that, not, does that sound like they know for sure that they're going to get their happy ending and all that? They don't know. They don't know. But here's what they do know. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I'm not certain, King Nebuchadnezzar, but let me make one thing clear right quick. I don't worship you. I worship the God of gods and the King of kings, Yahweh El Shaddai, the Lord of lords. I'm not certain, but I'm clear. I remember that conviction the day that Liz and I we're going to give birth to our third child, Journey, Joseph Vasquez. And if you get tired of hearing my story about my pain, I'm sorry. That's my life story. That story shaped me. And you're all going to have a life story. And if you don't have a life story yet, you just haven't lived long enough. But one day you'll have a story that shapes your life. And 
and uh, we're on our way to the hospital. We had to get up early because it was a C-section. And I remember on the way there, we were at a red light and it just felt like that red light was going forever. So I pulled out my phone and I just felt like I needed to tweet something. And so I remember tweeting this message out and I went through my tweets years ago to pull it up. It was on July 31st, 2015. On our way to the hospital, big chance we come home without our baby. No chance we come home without our faith. I remember there was a big chance. And not, that, that's not a, a tweet that lacked in faith. I remember looking at the doctor in the eye the, the day before the C-section was scheduled. And he said, there's a 99.999% chance this baby dies when he's born. I looked at him straight in the eye. I said, so you're telling me there's a chance. I mean, I had faith, y'all. But my faith was not a certainty. My faith was a clarity. My faith was like, I believe God can heal my son. And if he does, I'll praise him. And if he doesn't, I'll praise him. It'll be a different kind of praise. But it'll be a praise nonetheless. Someone might say, well, Pastor Jesus, I wish I had that faith. That seems like unreal faith. I wasn't born with that. Let me tell you where I found that. I was 17 years old, 18. I was 18 years old. And there was a pastor, friend of ours, who led a discipleship program. And I was in a discipleship program. And this discipleship program was all over the world. And there was a global conference where they all gathered together. And I remember being at this conference. And news came out that one of the pastor's son had cancer. He was eight years old. I have a son that's eight years old. I can't even imagine that. His name was Josiah. And I remember the picture they put up on the screen. It was Josiah in a Spider-Man costume getting chemotherapy. And everybody's heart in the room was wrenched, wrenched. And we all stretched our hands out towards the screen. And we all prayed for Josiah. I'd never seen so much faith in a room. So much. And it wasn't just faith. It was like Pentecostal faith. People were speaking in tongues. I mean, it was like, if that scares you, just come stay around long enough. It's not weird. You'll learn about it. Praying so hard. And I, I remember going back home to my church. At the time, it was in South Carolina. And I remember getting my discipleship group together. And I said this, and I can't believe I said this. I look back at me now and go, JJ, you're so dumb. How could you say that? But I had a different idea of what faith was back then. I stood up in front of my discipleship group, and I said, did you see how everybody prayed? There are thousands of Christians all over the world praying for Josiah right now. I said, God will heal Josiah. Everybody said, amen. And then I said this, and I should have stopped myself. I'm embarrassed to even say I said it, but it was a younger version of me. I said, and if he doesn't, God's not real. I didn't mean that like, I just like, I was so certain. I was just so certain that he would. The next day, I get a phone call from Charlie or text message. The text message said, did you hear? My heart dropped. Another text message comes in, Josiah passed away. The next day after I said, if God doesn't heal him, he's not real. My faith shattered. Beware of certainty because certainty shatters. When you're so sure that God's going to do something in a certain way and you're so sure that God's going to answer in a certain way and then he does it, your faith shatters. And that's where a lot of us are in life right now. We're having a faith crisis because life as it is today does not line up with what we imagined and expected life to be and what God would do in our life and what we thought God would do in our life and how God was supposed to protect us and how God was supposed to guide us. And that doesn't line up with our experience and we were so certain about it. Guess what happens to our faith? Our faith 
shatters. But this is where clarity comes over certainty. Why it's better? Because certainty shatters. But clarity, clarity is shaped. Certainty shatters, but clarity is shaped. Can, can you help me real quick with something? I'm gonna just, yeah, come, yeah, come, that's you, come on. Can, I, can we just switch glasses real quick? Are you blind? You're super blind? So when I put these glasses on, they just, everybody's gonna get raptured. When I put these glasses on. Yup. Oh my gosh. This cannot. Okay, so now, now hear me out. Let's say I put on these glasses. And I would say this, I would say this, I would say, I cannot see. I am blind right now. Imagine I say this, glasses don't work. And I take them off and I go, that was good timing on the symbols. I take off the glass and I shatter them, why? Because glasses don't work. That would be silly. Is it that glasses don't work? or that I have the wrong prescription. Sometimes faith doesn't work in our life the way we thought it would. And so we take faith off and we go, oh, faith is broken and we, and we shatter it. But is it, that, is it that faith doesn't work or is it that you have the wrong perspective of what faith is? Maybe you don't throw away the glasses. Maybe you find a better prescription to see the way God intended you to see. And the only way to do that is when you go to the eye doctor. You go like, what, once or twice a year, right? Like me, you might go four or five because them glasses are. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. We're just together. We're family. I didn't mean to make fun, but I did, and it was wrong. Um, and when you go, they do the thing, right? One or two, two or three, three or four. Four or five. Have you ever got an eye test before? Wave your hand if you've got five or six, seven or eight. Okay, great. And how are they measuring that? By looking at what? Help me. Don't let me preach by myself. What are we looking at when we're doing it? We're looking at the words. What if the way we fix our perspective? One or two, three or four. Some of y'all got your faith perspective from a bad preacher. Some of y'all got your faith perspective from a bad movie. Some of y'all got your faith perspective from a tradition. You need to go take an eye test real quick and get your faith perspective from the Word of God and let this thing shape your faith. So that's what I did. We're going over right now. I'm so sorry, online. You'll watch the rest on YouTube, but but because um, it's gonna cut off online, but I gotta do this. So that's what I did. My faith was shattered and I went to the Bible and I said, okay, I need your help. So I opened it, I never suggest you do this, but I opened it to the middle of the Bible and I went, speak to me, Lord. And that's right where I was. And I landed on Psalm 40 to prove me right. Look, it's right there in the middle, you see it? That's right where I landed. And I started reading Psalm 40 and the first thing I saw was, please, Lord, rescue me. I said, that's for me. I said, that's the word I need. Lord, speak to me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. 
Verse 14 and 15, may those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame for they said, aha, we've got him now. That's how I felt the devil was talking to me. Like he had surrounded me, like darkness had surrounded me and said, aha, look at his faith in pieces now. Look at his faith on the ground now. We've got him now. That young preacher ain't gonna do nothing for God. We got him right now. We got him. And then the next verse said, but may all who search for you, search for you in the what? Be filled with joy and gladness, what? In you. And my perspective shifted. It was shaped. The clarity that I had. God was saying this to me. And he might be saying this to you. You wanted me for what I can do for you. Your joy and gladness was based on what I do for you. But when I don't do what you want, then your joy and gladness goes away. I want your joy and gladness not to be found in what I do for you, but in me. So that when I don't move in the way you want me to move, I'm still God. I'm still good. I'm still great. I'm still full of peace. I'm still full of mercy. I'm still full of joy. I'm still full of hope. I'm still full of strength. Don't shatter your faith. Shape your faith. This wasn't about what he could do for you. This is about who he is in the cloud, in the doubt, in the darkness, in the fear, in the shadows, in the worry, in the pain, in the funeral, in the cancer, in the AIDS, in the divorce, in the loneliness, in the brokenness, in the emptiness, in the bankruptcy. It's who he is in it. So step into the cloud and find out who God is like you've never found him before. Stay standing like you've never found him before. You need to step into this darkness so that you can see the light. That's it. You will never see the light until you willfully step into the darkness. Don't fight it. It's where God reveals himself to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Actually, look at the screen real quick. <laughs> then, then we'll close our eyes. I just want you to have this sentence in your heart. Put it on the screen. I'm not certain. This is the year it all changes. I want that last thing to be your prayer. But I am certain. This is the year I'm clear. Some will say the year I'm clear. I don't know if everything changes after this year. I don't know if everything goes the right way it's supposed to. This might not be the year it all changes, but this is the year, say it with me, the year, I'm clear. This is the year, this is the year, this is the year, I'm clear. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.